Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. Father, in the name of Jesus, we exalt you today. We ask you to have your way. We ask you to be glorified. We ask you to be magnified. We ask you to be lifted up among us. Father, we thank you. We ask you once again to lead us by your Spirit in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. amen. I have one word to tell you, in, which is on the screen behind me. This is the word of the Lord that gives me to give to you today. As we're in the same flow or series of messages. And this word is not for the faint of heart. This word is for those that have an ear to hear and a heart to respond. You must have an ear to hear and a heart to respond. You are anointed to rule. You are anointed to rule. You are anointed to rule. Say, I am anointed to rule. Now, this, of course, would be, excuse me for a moment, as I rearrange the furniture. This would be part three of the series entitled, Who's in Control? Now, understand something. Whenever God gets us in a series of messages, understand, I just don't go part one, part two, part three, on up to part 50 for nothing. It's because he keeps putting something back on my heart. He wants something to be conveyed to you. So he gives it, gives it to us in a teaching type of format so that we can all hear and understand. Now, understand my purpose today is not to make you jump from chandeliers, not to make you swing from chandeliers. It is not to make you run around the room in a frenzy. Although, if the word of God gets you excited, then please feel free. Don't hurt yourself and don't hurt anybody else. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. I will probably be doing some running myself. Jumping, praise the Lord. It's the word of God that excites us. Praise the Lord. I love the word of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. But my purpose today is to convey to you that you are more than what you think that you are. And it is, it is, listen, it is very valuable for us to understand the past so that we can understand the present and go beyond into the future. We're going to show you some things today in the Word of God. Some things are going to be repetitious. Praise the Lord. You're going to hear them again and again and again and again. Psychologists say that sometimes we have to hear the same thing seven times before we finally get it. 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 Before we finally get it. You understand what we're saying? So some things will be repetitious because it's got to get in your hearing. You've got to understand it. You've got to get it. This is not an inter just something for entertainment. But here's a word that's coming to you and you've got to understand it. I speak to you that are in this room right now, those that are watching and listening by way of Internet and radio and CD. God bless you all. This is for you today. Amen. You are anointed to rule. Let's establish that before we go any further. God has anointed you to rule. Now, if you are a member of the body of Christ, 
you are anointed to rule. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, you have the potential to rule. Every human being has the potential to rule. Potential to rule. Are you with me? To rule uh, as godly. To rule godly uh, in this earth realm today. Let's go to some scripture. We got, um, let's go to some scripture. Go with me to the book of Genesis. Let's go back to the very beginning. To the book of Genesis. You'll see that on the screen there. To the book of Genesis, the first chapter. You're anointed to rule. In order for us to understand the present, where we are, we've got to understand the past. God made mankind. If you're a member of mankind, say, I am. Some of you did not answer, so see me after service. I'm sure the government would like to talk with you. If you're not a member of mankind, you are an alien, and we understand that. Please don't spread alien cooties in the building. Okay? But if you are a member of mankind, God created you to rule. Are you with me? Let's look back in the book of Genesis at man's beginning. What did God say to you? Genesis 1.26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our what? Image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over some of the earth. Did I misspeak? And over some of the earth. A portion of the earth. Uh, the north half of the earth. Over how much of the earth? You mean to tell me the word of God actually says that God wants us and he has made us to have dominion over all of the earth? Let that sink in. You were created to rule. He said for us to have dominion, power, influence, control, ability to, to rule over all of the earth. Say all of the earth. That includes the ground and everything under it and everything above it in the atmosphere. Are you with me? Man was made to rule, have dominion, have control over all of the earth. Now that's a powerful statement any day of the week. Say I was made to rule. I'm anointed to rule. He said, have dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Then we go to the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter. The Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and it is the violent, not the wimpy. Are you with me? Not the whiny, not the complainy. It is the violent. That will take it by force. We understood that the word heaven here, uh, really it does talk about the, uh, the, the word heaven in this text does speak about heavenly places above, but it speaks about mainly the, the first heaven, the first heaven, the atmosphere, the place of lightnings, the place where lightnings and thunders are made, right? Hallelujah. 
for more than that, go back to part one or part two. You'll hear more on that. But as the Lord has given us authority and power to rule in the earth, he's also given us authority, power to rule in the atmosphere. We We understand what took place before, what took place after Genesis 1, all the way up until the days of John the Baptist, was that uh, Adam and Eve, as the e, Adam and Eve sold out to the enemy, uh, they legally gave over that dominion to the devil, to Satan, and he was one legally in control. But when the kingdom message began to be preached, violence began to ring out or reign in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, my God, my God. We Praise the Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Violence began to ring out in the heavenlies or in the heavenly places as uh, the kingdom of God began to advance in the heavenlies as the Lord began to tear down places where the devil had once ruled or had authority. Hallelujah. The places in the heavenlies, the places in the atmosphere around this planet, around the globe, there were offices of authority that was meant for mankind to occupy. Seats of authority meant for us to occupy, but Adam and Eve sold out to the enemy, and now the devil had it, and now he has fallen angels or demonic powers ruling in those particular places around the globe, but... From the days of John the Baptist until now, there's been a changing, a shifting in that power or authority in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. It's been a shifting. That's what this scripture talks about. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, that place where lightnings and thunders are made, the, the, the abode of demonic powers, the, the, the abode of the fallen angels, that place has been suffering violence. There's been a coup d'etat, as we said before, as uh, one one government is trying to take over the other government. Are you with me? Hallelujah. We've said before, if the enemy rules and reigns over your life or over your territory, he's going to rain down death and destruction and poverty and all these things. You're never going to have anything. You're never going to go anywhere. You're never going to do anything. But when the powers change, when the government changes, the philosophy changes. And the other government, the government of the kingdom of heaven, begins to rain down blessings upon its citizens. Are you with me? So there's been a fight or a struggle to return the authority back to man that was once delivered to the enemy. You're anointed to rule. You're anointed to rule. Say, I'm anointed to rule. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Now, as we look at, uh, let's look at, uh, when we talk about the kingdom, when we talk about our kingship, our kingship is modeled after Christ. Our kingship is modeled after Christ. We're going to get into a little bit of that, a little bit of that today. Because the Bible says uh, in the book of Revelations, I believe the first chapter, verse number five or so, It says that he has made us kings and priests in Christ. I am a king. If you are born again, then you are a king. You are a king. Say, I am a king. It doesn't matter if you're living right now in a two-bedroom box under a bridge. If you know Christ, you are a king. Now, 
you could be living well beneath your privileges in him. Hallelujah. But still be a king. Hallelujah. Now, what makes me a king? Is it because of my financial standing? Because of where I go to church? Because who loves me? No, because God said I'm a king. He has made me a king and a priest. Let's go there. Let's go to Revelations. Let's go to the book of Revelations. Let me show you this. He has made you. He has made you. Say he has made me a king. You are anointed to rule. I'm telling you, you are anointed to rule. You are anointed to rule. We got to get that thing established. Why do we have to get it established? Because if we don't get it established, then you're going to continue to let the devil run all over you and think that there's nothing that you can do about it when there is everything that you can do about it. Are you with me, everyone? Let's look at uh, Revelations, the first chapter, verse number five and six. It says, and uh, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Listen unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us, who is the us, the ones that he has washed, the ones that he's loved and washed, uh, washed from our sins in his own blood. Has anybody been washed by the blood of Jesus in this place today? If you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, he's talking about you right now. All right, praise the Lord. This has been transformed to a school of instruction. Are you ready, class? Just like that. We're in a school of instruction. All right, we've been washed by his blood. Verse 6, and hath made us, what? Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen, right? He hath. What does hath mean? We know it's the old King James Version. Hath is past tense. It's already happened. He has already done this. It's already accomplished. You're not waiting to be made a king. You're already a king. Now, king does not uh, denote gender because in Christ there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Uh, male nor female it means, of course, in Christ there is no gender. Jew nor Greek. There is no, uh, uh, there is no ethnic background. It has nothing to do with your flesh. Bond or free. It doesn't have anything to do with your economic standing, with how much money you have or don't have. If you are in Christ and if you have been washed by his blood, you are, you are and have been made a king and a priest. Wow. Isn't that powerful? I'm a king and a priest. And you can be a king or priest living in your kingdom, in your territory, and still have hell on earth. Is that possible? Sure it is if you do not enforce your rights and privileges. Now, we spoke on last week about the man who lived in New York but had rental property in Tallapoosa. He had rental property in Tallapoosa, 
No one was in it, so he fought because he was not receiving a check from the rental company. No one was supposed to be there. He came down from New York to Tallapoosa to visit families, and he stopped by his house to see what condition it was in. And he found out that some people were living there in his house. Can you believe it? They were actually there illegally. This was this man's house. He owned the house. It was his name on the deed, his name on the mortgage. This was his house. The light bill was in his, rather the, uh, the water services was in his name. Property taxes came to him. This was his house. But there were people living in this house illegally. Now, he could do one of two things. He could just walk away from it and let them tear up his house. Because they were throwing parties every night, beer cans in the yard, bottles everywhere. They were tearing up this man's house, tearing it up, his property. He could walk away and say, there's nothing I can do about it. Or he can force the issue and call for uh, police support. Because it was in his right to get them out of the house. But the police department, as we said, won't do a thing about it. Until he activates them. He has to file a police report. He has to go get the sheriff. He has to press his right. If he does not press his right, they're going to stay in that house. And the police won't do a thing about it. The sheriff won't do anything about it. Nobody will do a thing about it because he does not press his right. So you can actually be a king. You can actually have influence, but unless you press your right, in other words, unless you uh, cause that place to suffer violence and take your property by force, nothing will ever happen. You understand? You've got to take an active role, not a passive role. Most of us are living life passively. We just think... And say, well, let it get better sooner or later. And do absolutely nothing about it. We throw up vicarious prayers, just casual prayers. Oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And maybe it'll get better. I hope it'll get better. When God has already given you the keys of the kingdom. You can take authority over this situation. You can take authority over the sickness in your home. You can take authority over the poverty in your home. You can take authority over, over anything that the devil's doing in your life. You have that power and authority that was given to man in the very beginning, but that was lost, but now has been regained through Christ Jesus. The enemy has no business coming into your house and messing your stuff up. Are you hearing me in this place today? But if you live passively, if you just let it happen and sit by as a man, sit on the sidewalk and twiddle his thumbs and people are throwing bottles out the window, breaking his glass. And he's sitting out there on the sidewalk crying. Oh, maybe somebody come by and help me. Oh, maybe somebody. Oh, come by and help me. Oh, they tearing up my furniture. Oh, maybe somebody to come by and help me. Oh, just like him, a police car came by and the policeman waved to him. How you doing? He said, I'm fine. And the policeman drove off. 
And he began to fault the policeman because he said within himself, the policeman should know what I'm going through and he should help me out. No, the policeman won't force the issue if you don't. Are you with me? If you let it happen, the police will let it happen. If you allow it, God will allow it. His holy angels will allow it. If you allow it, they'll allow it. But if you push it, they'll help you push it. Are you with me? So there are many in our church today that come in doom. They have downtrodden faces. Their continents are down. They are burdened down. They are sad. They are hopeless. Many, many. And when the answer comes, they do everything but hear it. You will see them. You will see them. You will see them. You will see them. May not be today, but keep on watching. Watch. Go to church. See it. I see it. I see downcast faces. Oh, what am I going to do about my bills? What am I going to do about my relationship? I need a job. They're just like that man sitting on the sidewalk, twiddling his thumbs, crying, when God has already given them the keys as to what to do. They will let offense get in the way of hearing the word of God. Stop up the ears so that they will no longer hear the word because they're so concerned about their problem that they can no longer hear the answer that's coming to them. You don't be like that. All of you that have ears to hear right now, understand you are anointed to rule. You are anointed to take authority and to have authority. As a king, every king has a dominion. Every king has a territory. The Father would not have anointed you king, made you king, without giving you some form of territory, some form of region, some type of influence. You have a territory. You have a country. Now, your country may be uh, just between your bed and your front door. Praise God. Be faithful there and God will add to you. Your country may be, uh, if you're a business owner, that could be your country, your territory. If you're a parent, your, your family, territory. You have different territories, different fears or spheres of influence that God has given you to rule or reign over. When I'm at home and just here lately, boy, there I was suffering a strong demonic attack. Strong demonic attack. I sensed it. I sensed it as it tried to come into my house. I sensed it. Well, what do I do? As I feel fear grip me for no apparent reason, what do I do? Do I sit back and do nothing? No, I rise and I take authority over that opposing force. Let me show you something. Go to 1 Samuel. Go to 1 Samuel. Let me show you the role of the king. 1 Samuel. The Lord Jesus Christ came out of a fleshly came from the lineage of David. The father told David of your kingdom, there's not going to be an end. 
uh, David, your kingdom will f- be forever established. In order for that to happen, then the Messiah has to sit on that throne. Because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would have no end. He will forever be king. So as we go back to David, as we see what God did in David's life, we can find out more of what he's doing in our lives. As you get First Samuel, the 17th chapter, let me give you three keys, three keys of a kingship. Our kingship, again, is modeled after Christ. We'll see several shadows of this in David's life. There are three keys of our kingship. Understand, first of all, that the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus was manifested to destroy. That word is also translated undo the work of the devil. That's in First uh, John, the third chapter, verse number eight. He was manifested. In other words, he appeared to destroy the works of the devil to destroy. Now, what is that all about? Here again, the enemy took over the, the positions of authority. But we now, as citizens of heaven, having the authority of Jesus Christ, have come into his territory to pull down his strongholds, undoing what the enemy has done. Well, the enemy comes in someone's house, someone's house or life with cancer, well, God has anointed us to rule and we can undo or destroy the cancer. Are you with me? He holds their lives with poverty where we can undo that and usher in prosperity. There's a change of kingdoms, change of order. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Don't be downcast. Don't be downtrodden. Realize that the Lord knows what's going on in your heart and in your life right now. All you need to do is wait on him. The second key that you'll find there to your kingship, to your kingship, is that uh, we have to preach the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. You'll find that in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 43. The Lord Jesus said, I was sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I was sent to preach the kingdom of God. I was sent to preach or to proclaim this new way. The third key, as you will do, is that we are sent to minister or to be a servant. And Jesus, was, Jesus came to minister or to, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the order of our kingship. Number one, we're sent to undo the works of the devil. Number two, we're sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to tell everybody else, tell the, tell the humans that inhabit this earth, hey, you're living, you're living well beneath your privileges, turn your life over to Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't have to take that mess from the devil anymore. Realize who you are. You are man. You're meant to take authority over these things. And through Christ Jesus, that authority can be restored with greater. So we're meant to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And we're also meant, the third key there, we're also meant to serve, to serve others, to serve and to love and to give our lives a ransom for many as in the order of our king. We are kings under the Lord Jesus Christ who is our king. Are you with me? That's why the Bible calls him king of kings. Are you with me, everybody? All right, let me show you a few things here. In 1 Samuel, 
1 Samuel 17. First of all, we know that David was chosen to be the king to replace Saul, King Saul. Saul messed up. God told him to do a thing, and he did some of it. It didn't do all of it. And the Bible says that the father told Samuel, it grieved me that I let Saul be king. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel and Samuel told Saul, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you just do what I say, it's better than sacrifice. So the kingdom was stripped from Saul. And for a while, Samuel cried. He mourned for Saul. He mourned. God told him, why are you sitting here mourning? Why are you crying for him? I prepared a new king for myself. Go down to the house of Jesse and you're going to anoint a new king. So Samuel goes down to the house of Jesse and Jesse presents his sons before Samuel. And uh, Samuel sees the first the first son, I believe it was Abinadab. And, and he said, surely this was a Lord. This is the Lord's anointed. He looks like a king. He's tall. He looks strong. He looks like a king. But God told Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I look at the thoughts, the intents of the heart. He's not the one. Samuel went down all the sons, but still the oil, the anointing did not flow. Samuel asked Jesse, the father, he asked him, uh, are these all your sons? Jesse said, well, I got one more, but you really don't want him. He's out there just keeping the sheep. He's a small one. You don't want him. He said, bring him in here. Nobody's going to eat. Nobody's going to sit down until he comes here. Well, they go out and get David, who's out there keeping the sheep, who's laboring with the sheep. Hallelujah. When he got David, brought him in. Here's the one that God wants anointed. That God wants to anoint. The one that was rejected and despised by his own daddy and family. God said, I want him. This is another key to your kingship. Although you think that you are small and insignificant. And although even your own family, those closest to you, put you down. You better see that God will accept you and promote you and anoint you. The least, the least. The least is the one that God would choose. And so God chose David. He anointed him there, right there in the house. Well, Samuel goes away. And for a time, David is still out there tending the sheep. I'm not sure whether he is fully aware of what took place on that day or not. But when he was anointed, the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he was still out there keeping sheep. Still doing what, what some called a, 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 a menial job. Anointed of God, anointed to be king, still out there tending the sheep, still faithful. Still faithful. Anointed to have a worldwide ministry, still faithful over 20, still faithful over 10. Somebody's going to get that. The time came. Jesse came to his son. The one that was holding his sheep. Jesse was keeping not his sheep, but his father's sheep. Somebody's going to get that. David was not keeping his own sheep, but his father's sheep. He was responsible for his father's sheep. Jesse told him 
Go out there and check on your brothers. See how they're doing out there. Because his brothers had already been enlisted in the army with King Saul. Saul's, the, the kingdom was ripped from Saul, but he was still there in authority in the natural. God had removed his presence from him, but he was still sitting there really as a figurehead. He's going to keep it until the next king would come up and take it. Basically, because Saul was not going to release it. So his father said, David, go on out there and I go and check on your brother. See how they're doing. Ask him to give me a letter. Send me word how they're doing. David leaves the sheep with another shepherd. He knows, he knows better not to leave the sheep with a, with a hireling. He leaves the sheep with another shepherd. And he goes out and visits his brothers there on the battlefield. As he arrives there on the battlefield, uh, he hears the cry of soldiers, the cry of war, the armies of Israel's army of Israel going out to fight the Philistine. And as he arrives there, he hears the taunting of a man, a big old man, nine foot tall man, real big. He hears him. He hears that man defying the armies of Israel, defying the armies of God right there in Israel's territory. Hear this. Somebody say, well, what's the big deal? What's well, like somebody come in your house talking bad about Jesus? Somebody come there on your job. You own the company. You own the business. And they come in there and say, oh, Jesus ain't nothing. Jesus this, Jesus that. You're going to sit back? Well, that was what was happening there. It was happening there in Israel's territory under King Saul's watch. There was this uncircumcised Philistine, uncircumcised meaning that he was not under the covenant of God. He was talking about God and the army of God and the people of God in front of them all. And they were all scared to fight him. Oh, them should be fighting words. King Saul should have said, oh, no, it's time to open up a can on you. It's time to open up a can. It's time for a beatdown. You're not going to say that about my God. But they were all intimidated. They were all intimidated. 17, 1 Samuel 17. Look at number 10. It said, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, rather that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They heard it, but they were intimidated. They wouldn't do a thing about it. Nobody would do anything for the first day. Then the first week went by, he kept on saying it. Two weeks went by, kept on saying it. Three weeks went by, they still didn't do anything about it. He kept on saying it. Four weeks went by, they didn't do anything about it. He kept on saying it. Five weeks went by, 40 days went by, and they had not done a thing. Couldn't do a thing. Because even though Saul was king, he was no longer the anointed king. And the one that brought change to the situation was the anointed king. Now here is a key that you will find out in your own life because you are anointed to reign. You are anointed to rule. There will come things in your territory, in your home, that will threaten you, that will threaten your life. The enemy is bold, he's brass, and he'll come in and try to threaten you. It could be threatening you with a doctor's report, an evil report. Threatening you uh, with, with a bill. You don't have the money, but it's threatening to take something 
from you. It's trying to threaten you. No one has the ability to remove that but you. Because you are the anointed king in that area. Are you with me? Now look at this. Y'all want to hear the rest of this? Notice what happens here. David gets on the scene. He hears the tauntings of Goliath. Does he wimp out? No. He begins to get angry. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare defy the armies of God? He gets angry. This is what Saul should have done. But Saul was no longer anointed. David was. You are anointed to rule. And being anointed to rule means that you're anointed to solve problems that no one else can solve. Because you're anointed in that territory. You are the set man or the set woman in that territory. And if it goes on under, under your watch, it's not God's fault. It's yours. Say, I'm the set person here. Are you with me? In Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center, I am the set man. And if I allow it to go on, it ain't God's fault. It's mine. In your house, you're the set person. And if it goes on in your house, it ain't God's fault. It's yours. Are you with me, everybody? All right. So David goes out there. And uh, he begins to make noise in the camp. And he hears about the reward that King Saul is offering. Saul is desperate now. He's talking about freeing, the, freeing everybody. The, his, whoever wins, whoever beats Goliath, I'm going to give him my daughter in marriage. And, and I'm going to make his household free. They won't have to pay taxes anymore. He's really getting desperate now. Somebody come and beat this man up because we too scared up here. David hears about the reward. He goes around and asks people, is that so? Is that so? They say yes. And then somebody goes and tells King, tells King Saul, there's somebody out here, David, David, who is already, by the way, the king's armor bearer. And we'll talk about that later on. Saul was already familiar with David. But David goes up to King Saul and says, I'll take care of this. Don't worry, king. I'll take care of this. Let's pick this up in verse number 31. Verse 31 says, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now listen, David is anointed to rule. He has already been anointed to rule. He's been anointed along. I'm not sure how much time has passed, but he was anointed in his daddy's house, still out there keeping sheep, but he was anointed to rule. Today I'm telling you, you're anointed to rule. When David found out about the situation, he didn't sit back on his hands, but he got up and went before that authority and said, don't worry about this. I got this. I got this. It's time for a smackdown. It's time for a knockdown. He's not going to stand here and do this thing here. Are you with me? Now, why was he that bold? Because he was the one that was anointed to rule. He was the one. He was a set man in that position. Are you with me? All right. 
how does Saul respond? And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to, to go against uh, this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he, and he a man of war from his youth. Saul looks as people, you'll hear people say in your territory, you can't do this. They may cite some obvious reasons. You're too old or you're too young or you're not smart enough or you're not pretty enough or you don't have the right credit or you don't have the right standing. But all they can cite are physical things, things that they can see, but they cannot see the Spirit of the Lord upon you. They cannot see the anointing of the Lord upon you. They cannot see the invisible. All they can see is the visible. Are you with me? So don't worry, so don't, don't, don't worry about them. You continue on. How did David say? How did David go on with this? And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. What is he saying there? Saul, I'm used to giving my life or laying my life down for those that I command, for those that I rule over. I'm used to doing that. Because the shepherd was, was responsible for the sheep. A good shepherd always lays his life down for the sheep so that the sheep may live. A good shepherd always defends his sheep. In other words, defends his territory. Even before David left, as we said before, as he left his sheep, what did he do? He left them with another shepherd. Someone else that was willing to lay his life down for the sheep. As king, you're going to have to be willing to lay your life down for the sheep. Your life, your, uh, lay your life down, your, your territory, lay your life down for your territory. Lay your reputation down, no matter what they may say or think about you. And even if David would have lost, even if it was God's will for him to lose, he knew what he had to do was to fight off this thing that was coming against the sheep. Because he was the anointed king. Are you with me, everybody? Let's look a little further. And David said to Saul, thy, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there was a lion. There was a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. These were threatening forces. There's, now he's comparing this Goliath to the bear and to the lion. There were other things when I was keeping my father's sheep. That was his kingdom, understand. That was his sphere of influence. That was what he, he was responsible for. He said, when these things came in, when the bear came in, when the lion came in, and, and what happened? And took a lamb out of the flock. Mm. Now I'm going to give this to you in the next 10 minutes. I pray you hear this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When the bear or the lion came in and took a lamb, does not say took a sheep from the flock. It says took a lamb from the flock. Took a lamb from the flock. Lamb, young, a lamb is a young sheep. Younger, we can say this spiritually, someone that is younger in the Lord. Someone that does not quite know his, his or her rights or privileges. When the bear or the lion, a bear or the lion is a, is a spirit or an agent uh, that devours sheep. It's a devourer. The enemy is called a devourer. From time to time, you will find in your territory that the enemy will come in and confront and attempt to take off and devour lambs that are in your territory. Lambs, not sheep. But lambs 
in your territory. And you will have to confront the enemy that tries to take the lamb. That tries to take your young ones or your younglings. You will have to confront them. Listen. Oh, this is good. He said, then I went out after him. In other words, I didn't let it just go. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. Listen. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. I beat him to death. When the enemy came in, he picked up the, of course, the bear and the lion would pick up the, the lamb with his mouth, right? With his teeth. David said, I immediately went out after him. I took my staff and I smote the enemy. I took my staff and I beat the enemy. Hear me. Because as you are in positions of authority, there will be times you'll have to go out against the enemy. Whether that lion or bear could be cancer or the lion or the bear is a financial distress. I'm not sure what the lion or the bear is that will come in and take something from you. But as you are anointed, you have the anointing to deliver your sheep or your lamb from the mouth of the devouring agent. As parents, you have the authority to... Now look, now look, he didn't beat the lamb out of the lion's mouth. He beat the lion. Ugh. He beat the bear. Mm. And he said, when that animal turned at me, well, I caught him by his chin and beat him and beat him and beat him and killed him. You're not going to rise again. So if that enemy had the audacity, if that demonic spirit, if that thing had the audacity to turn on me, I'm praying to get someone else to have cancer, and then all of a sudden I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I got cancer, uh-uh, I'm taking you, and I'm going to beat you to death with the word of God. You understand? That's why the Bible declares to you that are spiritual. If, you, if there's a brother out there overtaken in the fault, you that are spiritual go and restore such a one, but be mindful of yourself, lest you too fall into temptation. Say, I'm anointed to rule. Now, a shepherd, a shepherd or a king is anointed to deliver, to deliver the lamb every time. No matter what the opposition is, bear or lion, no matter what it is, he's anointed to deliver them every time. They say, well, pastor, so-and-so left the church and we know it was the devil that did that and we didn't see you run after him. I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you said that. Because physical sheep and human beings are two different things. We are styled as sheep in the Word of God. But I never hear a sheep get up on its hind legs and stand up straight and tell the shepherd, I ain't going to do that. I never hear the sheep... Out there talking to one another. Did you understand what she did? You understand what he did? We ain't going over there. No. Sheep are sheep. You know they're, they're sheep when they hear the shepherd's voice and follow. When they cease to hear the shepherd's voice, no longer sheep here. You understand what I'm saying to you? So in order to be qualified for this, 
qualify for deliverance by the anointed or set man, you first of all got to be a sheep. When sheep in the natural wander off, when they're out, when they're out there, when they wander off, and the shepherd's got to lead the 99 and go get the one, I guarantee you that sheep that's out there wants to be found. They're out there, bear, help me, bear, I got lost, bear, oh, where am I, bear, 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 help me, bear, help me, bear. And when the, when the shepherd, when the king, when an authority comes to him, oh, I'm so glad you're here, take me back, 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 they actually want to be found. So you can't call someone lost in the church when they're out there hiding and don't want to be found. Are you with me? Then there are some that are, we call the prodigal sheep. They left. They didn't get lost. They left. And no matter what you try to do to go out and save them, they're not going to hear you. They're going to have to let their money run out. Everything, friends leave and they got to get down to rock bottom. And then they'll decide, I need to go back. And they know exactly where home is. Are you with me? So the man of God, the set person, you that in authority, you are anointed to strike and deliver that lamb, that lamb or that young sheep. If it is bona fide a young sheep, if it is trying its best, but just got caught up, you can deliver. You can strike it. And that enemy will leave it alone. But take heed to yourself. Because that animal may come around and turn on you. But you have the authority to beat it down. Turn to neighbor and tell him, you got the authority to beat it down. Now we're almost finished. Another five minutes here. Listen to verse 36. Let's go back to verse 35. It says, And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. I killed him. It says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing ye have defiled the armies of the living God. Listen to verse 37, his confession. Listen, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me. He's, a, he's acknowledging it was the Lord that delivered him. He was anointed. Remember when he was anointed at Jesse's house? Uh, Saul, or rather, uh, Samuel poured the oil on him and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He could fight off the bear and the lion because of the Lord that was upon him. Are you with me? The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion. Say paw. Out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now, paw. Paw, of course, uh, 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 the, the animal's hand, right? Paw or hand means strength or power. The strength or the power. You have enough authority anointed in you by the Holy Spirit, anointed to deliver your children, to deliver your spouses. You have enough anointing on you to deliver your co-workers, all those that are under your influence in your territory. 
Not to deliver them one time, but every single time. Every single time. Every Goliath that comes up, every bear that comes up, every lion that comes up, you have the anointing to deliver them every single time. If they are there in your fold, if they are submitted to the authority, you have the power to deliver them. You're anointed to rule. Not once, but every time you have the authority to do that. It does not have to go on. If they are submitted. If they are submitted. If they are submitted. Are you with me? All right. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. Well, Saul gave David his armor. He said, well, you need this. I believe you're covered by the Lord, David. Sure, but you better take this armor with you. Put it on with you anyway. This was an honor. This was the king's armor. Surely David could say, I have arrived now because I'm wearing the king's armor. I look like a king. But David put it off. No, Saul, I can't go in your authority. I've got to go in the authority that God gave me. I can't look like you. I've got to look like the one that God made me. He goes out and eventually he, he goes against Goliath. And David says, we're closing here. David tells Goliath, you come to me with sword and spear. You come to me with shield, sword and spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Goliath came to him with weapons of warfare, earthly, carnal weapons of warfare. David said, I want you to know I come to you in the name of the Lord, name implying authority. I come to you in the authority of the Lord. I come to you in the authority that God has given me to rule and reign over this territory. He said, and you should all know, he said, today they'll all know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. In other words, the Lord does not need weapons to fight this. Because the battle is not mine, it's his. When you stand in your authority, when you stand in the position of ruler over the territory, you don't need weapons of war like the enemy has. And they come against you in some sort of legal battle. You won't need to go at them in the same way because it's not your battle, it's the Lord's. If you are stand, standing in your position of authority, you'll find that the fight is not yours, but it's his and he will fight on your behalf. Amen. It was Amen. not David's strength that beat a big old lion. It was not David's strength that beat the big old bear, the big grizzly bear. A little boy couldn't do that. But it was God's strength that had clothed him, empowered him to do the work. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org. 